Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. 28 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for listening this evening. I really, really do appreciate it. An important bill before Parliament being debated by the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education. That is the Basic Education Amendment Bill. This bill governs literally everything in basic education. Everything in the environment of basic education and ancillary to the function of education, learning and teaching. One of the things that it uh, seeks to standardize is homeschooling curricula. Homeschooling, we know, have been taken up in greater numbers since COVID-19 hit and a lot of our learners had to go and learn from home. Many parents decided to convert their children to homeschooling and withdraw them from the formal educational structures uh, or traditional educational structures. Homeschooling is not less formal, it's just less traditional. But more importantly, it governs things such as whether or not teenage girls should receive the protection of privacy when it comes to uh, things such as abortions. We know the numbers. Many of our young girls are falling pregnant in schools. Many of them are being raped and fall pregnant in schools. Um, also, more so, by male teachers. That notwithstanding, there is a question in the bill around whether or not teenage girls should be able, adolescent and teenage girls, should be able to access an abortion without parental consent. That's one of the questions. All of these things are controversial but important. Controversial on its own merits for its own reasons. The Democratic Alliance, as well as the ACDP, they walked out of this debate um, and chose not to be a part of it. Why? I don't know, but hopefully they'll tell us. Joining me for this conversation is uh, uh, Bex uh, Notata, who is the Shadow Minister for Basic Education, sitting on the Basic Education Portfolio Committee in Parliament, uh, as well as a member of the Democratic Alliance. Mari Sikers, who is a member of the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education uh, for the ACDP, will be a part of this conversation as well, as soon as we're able to get her on the line. Bex, I want to start with you. Good evening. Welcome to the show. Really do appreciate it. Before we get into the merits and the importance of this bill, let's perhaps start with why uh, the Democratic Alliance withdrew from participating in, in this debate. Good evening, Oliver, and good evening to your listeners as well. Firstly, um, today we were meant to uh, start with the report, the national report on the public participation on the Basic Education Laws Amendment Bill. As you may be aware, the Portfolio Committee had opened up written submissions, comments on the bill uh, last year and closed on the 15th of August. We then called on um, oral submissions from organizations that are interested in the bill bill which we received over 30 um, uh, oral submissions from different organizations. And the last leg was to, for us visiting nine provinces, spending three days each, listening to parents, communities, and South Africans on the input on the bill. And the responsibility of Parliament and members of Parliament in the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education is to then collate all of that information that um, is part of the public participation process and prepare a report that is representative of the qualitative views and the quantitative views of South Africans on the bill. And when we were dealing with that report today, the ruling party, ANC, decided to steamroll the process without considering all submissions that were made by the public. There are 9,500 submissions that are not analyzed. 
that are not included in the report, and that was part of the question that we asked. And instead of responding to those questions, they tried to steamroll to give a perception that the bill was supported, in fact, when in fact it was not supported. They had also requested that National Treasury comes and gives a, a financial implication report, a regulatory report, on whether some of the things in the bill are really being, we can implement them based on the financial fiscus that we have. For example, they say that grade R must be made compulsory. Is there money to build uh, enough schools, enough classrooms for those children? Are they going to have a meal in front of them? Are they going to have a teacher in front of them? And all of that requires money. The last thing was that we requested them that to parliamentary legal services must present if there's any constitutional implications on the bill that may infringe on children's rights, parental rights, um, and the rights of communities and South Africans when it comes to the bill. That was not forthcoming. And instead of considering those, they decided to steamroll the process, and therefore we decided to walk out to break quorum, and then later on wrote a letter to the chairperson to express our dismay and make the request for parliamentary legal services, national treasury to come and present, and for them to fix the discrepancies on the report of the 9,500 people that were not analyzed. When, so you, is, say, when that, you say they were trying to steamroll the process, what does that mean? That basically means that they were trying to um, um, force us to adopt an, a, a report that is not representative of all the views of South Africans. I mean, of the 34,000-odd submissions, 9,500 of them are not analyzed. That's one-third of the total submission. And these are not just numbers. These are real parents, children, uh, organizations that have made input to parliament, who are the representative of, representatives of the people, who are supposed to analyze every single submission that is made. That is what public participation is all about, if you read the chapter uh, on parliament, uh, where our responsibility is clearly explicitly outlined so that we don't make laws out of our own uh, volition, but we make laws based on the input of South Africans and the guidance that we would get from parliamentary legal and national treasury in terms of bills and any act or law that we pass in parliament. It's not unusual, though, in the lawmaking process for every single comment that has been registered by the public, submitted by the public, to not be included uh, in, 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 in a final report on, on public participation. It's not an unusual process, very specifically because Parliament and the Portfolio Committee can become inundated with millions of comments by millions of people, most of which would be re- repeated uh, sentiments and comments. And so if Parliament says, look, we've got 50,000 comments, but we're only going to include 5,000 in the report because we think these 5,000 are representative of all the 50,000 comments we got and the variety um, and range of all 50,000 comments we got, surely that's a fair way of lawmaking. That's uh, precisely not true. And let me put it to you this way. When you do a reasonable sample, you must also base it on the reasonable number of uh, inputs and submissions that were made for you to make that analysis. And it must be a quantitative meaning the numbers must tally, and a qualitative discussion. That report on its own says we received 32,000 submissions, whereas in fact we've received 34,000 submissions. So which one is which, number one? Secondly, how do you go and analyze um, um, uh, submissions from a public participation process, which is a third layer, and not analyze the initial public participation process of written submissions? You, there's only 6,700 analyzed written submissions of the 17,400 that were submitted. Clearly, that can't be a, a reasonable sample that you use. Because the reasonable sample that you need to use must be beyond uh, reasonable doubt. 
And at least you must be, a, be able to analyze a good quantifiable number right. of submissions that are made. Because at the end of the day, this is a contentious bill. It's going to affect millions, millions of children's uh, futures on quality education, millions of parents uh, on how they educate their children. We can't just simply say we wash away 9,500 submissions yeah. that were made by, by, by parents and communities. Given that your objections ha- are all procedural objections, why then stage a walkout and not just then register a dispute very specifically with the Speaker of Parliament and if you're not satisfied there with the court? Procedure matters. It uh, pertains to fairness. Um, you should be able to win on that score. Why then withdraw from the debate altogether? Uh, let me put it this way to you. We have objected to the process um, at every single turn, including in today's meeting, when they adopted the agenda without the parliamentary legal services and national treasury presenting, when they tried to, when they adopted the report with all the discrepancies that it had, when we did the walkout, which was to completely stop the process, and that is why we wrote to the chairperson and we wrote to Cedric Folek, who's the chair of chairs in parliament, to report the conduct of the chairperson in that particular meeting. But that does not necessarily mean that we would draw completely from uh, the close-by-close discussion because that will still take place tomorrow. But to, to completely stop the process in protest of the procedure, we had to do that so that we, we get the attention and the ear of the chair of chairs, which is acknowledged our letter, and uh, from our information has now spoken to the chairperson. The chairperson has also acknowledged our letter in terms of our request that we've made for, for parliamentary legal services, national treasury, and for them to fix the discrepancies in the report. If we did not do that, clearly they would have steamrolled the process and still go to close by close with all of these challenges. The reality of the situation is that at the end of the tunnel, when you do admin, uh, procedural blunders of this nature, which are basic, which Parliament shouldn't be doing, anybody will be able to challenge the process. And that's what we're trying to avoid and safeguarding today, and despite the fact that the ANC was trying to steamroll the process, and that is precisely what we have done. And tomorrow we will obviously participate in the process, but today we had to make the point and report what was happening today to, to, to not uh, find ourselves putting our names behind the process that is going to be questionable at the end. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, uh, Marty Sickers, uh, I will be introducing you into the conversation. I'm taking your reactions to this. Give me a call. 86 South Africa. Our story is your story because Ashupur was born out of the desire to serve those who serve. To serve the everyday men and women who work hard to build this country from the ground up. You can trust Ashupur to serve you because Ashupur was there for your elders. It's here for you today and will be there for your family tomorrow. SMS serve to double four three double six and we'll call you back. Ashupur, 110 years of serving those who serve. Ashupur Life, an insurer license to conduct life insurance business. An authorized financial services provider. FSP 53. T's and apply. Acting has always been there. We've never heard something so intimidating and dope all at the same time. Man, this guy is special. Delivery, he was exceptional. Yo, man, this is like the Michael Jackson of Quiet Certified Classics, Zona Umbrebe. Sunday, 6 p.m. on SABC One. Sansi for sure. Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Monday to Thursdays, 10 p.m. 
It is 15 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Mara, we heard from Bax just now about their objections uh, to, at least their objections seem to be entirely procedural, uh, which was the pretext to the Democratic Alliance uh, staging a walkout. What were the reasons of the ACDP? Our responsibility um, as uh, members of parliament and as a committee, is to ensure that we do our constitutional duty um, in, ter- or in terms of ensuring that the public participation process that we've embarked on in nine provinces, that we do and give due regard for the um, South Africans who came and made their voice heard. Um, that forms part of our uh, participatory democracy and the principles of that is that we give um, um, regard to that. So when you have a process where um, the public uh, participation um, process or the public participation submission um, is questionable in terms of how um, this committee deals um, with the many hours of listening um, in faraway places to those voices that um, spoke on how uh, on this legislation and how it impacts their children. It is important that, that we make sure that uh, we do that, that we adhere to the principles um, that, of the process. And more than 9,000 um, submissions um, have not been processed. The question is why those have not been processed um, and what uh, the sampling was based on and that the committee um, has not been informed uh, before or the public, before the uh, public hearings that um, there will be a, a selection of, of which um, um, year, uh, public sub, uh, I'm sorry, submissions uh, will be um, uh, you know, included. Uh, so on the basis of that, the ACDP um, has felt that w- the process makes, it's not a tick box exercise. It is not um, to rubber stamp what the department has given us. Uh, we as parliament must do our duty. We cannot um, ignore those voices and those questions must be answered so that the, we ensure that that report, a uh, final report is accurate. And then lastly, the, the fact that in a democratic parliament, uh, members are interrupted, uh, muzzled, refused for, the, for them to engage um, on, in the process, which, the, which is their, their right and part of their work, why they get paid, is to ensure that they do their work. Um, you know, those two elements of disrespect um, for parliament and the rules of parliament that we find unacceptable. Is there anything pertaining to the substance of the bill um, and the report preceding that, that the ACDP finds objectionable? Or is it all pertaining to procedure, as is the case of the Democratic Alliance? The, look, we are in the process now. We went through nine provinces. It is definitely to do uh, in terms of the process, right? Uh, that we That must be, and it must be, um, you know, adhere to, like I said, the principles of, of um, um, the constitutional uh, principles of, of participation. It's, it's very important that, 
um, for us as the ACDP to, to play a role in um, overseeing and holding accountable uh, the department and for the committee to do its work. Those things are important. So if the principles, yes, the process itself, um, to ensure that we, we are, um, you know, in, in, uh, that we are in line with what um, we have, uh, and uh, what we have uh, said to the public, um, that we would listen uh, to their voices when we um, uh, look at the bill. We must do that. That is what we must do. Uh, Parliament has been found wanting in sev on several occasions. Um, and as parliamentarians, we need to now um, give regard uh, to, to that to do our work. Okay, that's fair. Pax, perhaps to you as well. Is there anything pertaining to the substance of the bill that the Democratic Alliance finds objectionable? Definitely. Um, I think the bill in its current form is detrimental to the education system. Firstly, it's trying to strip away school governing bodies of their powers to determine admission and language uh, policies. Um, and that's where it starts. And how much more power is then the state going to take from there on moving forward? We already know with the current government in place, uh, everything they touch, they destroy. Um, so if you want to take away the powers that parents and, and communities have, to determine what is best for their children in their schools, um, you know, what more is there to come? The bill seeks to centralize um, learning. Oh, very specifically, sorry to pause you there, but very specifically on the powers of SGBs to determine admission policies for school, the debate there is about how do you standardize admissions in public education across the board that makes it fair and consistent for everybody, no matter where in the country you are, and no matter in which part of the country you find yourself in, urban South Africa, rural South African, affluent or disenfranchised South African. Fairness is what uh, the Department of Education thinks is important to establish here, as we have seen uh, with, with, public education, with public school admission uh, placement in Gauteng, for instance, being entirely digitized uh, and being entirely left not to the ambit of the discretion of an SGB, but rather to the application uh, of a fairness system. Surely that's something the Democratic Alliance would recognize as an important part of democratizing uh, school admissions and education. Look, let, let me put it this way to you. This is a principled issue. It's a separation of powers issue. And, uh, and, and it's important for us to be able to make this point because sometimes you misconstrued uh, balancing or making everything the same as a corrective measure, whereas in the case it's not. Determining of any policy in a school must be left to the SGB. The SGB uh, consists majority of parents who have a vested interest in the children in that particular school, and that's a culture we need to encourage in South Africa. It's got representation of teachers in it. It's got representation of the learners themselves. So they need to make a determination of what policy must be done in a school. Now, but that, that still gives them the power to determine who can and can't be a part of the school and that's what we're hoping to do away with, right? Let me finish the point. That particular uh, SGP must make a determination in terms of policy. Now, no policy or any law in this country can be made um, to discriminate against any other child. And that's where the department comes in, where they need to now put recourse mechanisms in place for any school or any SGP that may want to use any policy to discriminate or exclude any learner. But the principle of parents and communities taking ownership of their school as an asset 
to making meaningful contribution to their children's lives is a fundamental principle that we should never break away from in terms of the separation of the rural, separation of powers between the department and the school itself. Second to that, you'll find that they are proposing that we must centralize all later material procurement to the hands of the HOD and the department. I mean, the KZN case is just one case study where you've left children for weeks hungry who are dependent on one meal just because of centralization. It's open to corruption, and it's not the right way to do. Again, the school must be given the responsibility to procure the necessary learning material so that it arrives in time, unlike in the Eastern Cape where children have to wait three, four months down the line to get a textbook. The bill also invades in terms of homeschooling. Um, parents that decide to homeschool their children are now forced to register, subjected to an assessor, they can get home invasions in school. Instead of just informing the department that they're homeschooling, choosing a curriculum that is best suited for their child, whether it's because of a disability or just their preference, um, and then inform the department of that so that that particular child can be able to go back to mainstreaming schooling whenever they, they, they need to do that. But not to force uh, homeschooling uh, uh, parents uh, through a vigorous process that is costly to them and is uh, really unnecessary. So the bill itself doesn't address the real issues in the education system. We still have children dying in pit toilets, overcrowded classrooms, poor quality teaching. Those are the things that we need to be focusing on and building a curriculum that's going to be responsive to economic opportunity rather than waste spending time on discussing how do we give more power to the state away from parents and communities that know what's best for their children. Yeah. Mari, I just want to give you the last opportunity there. Do you have, uh, does the ACDP have thoughts and positions on those sets of questions? Yes, we do. I um, um, failed to answer your question in terms of the substance of the bill. Let me just go back to that. The issue of parental rights and giving the minister unfettered powers to make regulations is giving the minister a blank check to issue regulations without um, there being any restriction. That is in the clause 41. That is one of the main objections that we have to the bill. The second is the issue that has um, been raised by um, um, Honorable Nodada, is the issue around presenting the bill as transformative to address and to um, redress inequality. The issues that are not um, being um, addressed, that are not being spoken of, is the issue of rights, as he said, the separation of powers, the recognition of subsidiarity in terms of our schools, um, that you need to, that the, there is a function being fulfilled at a community level by SGD. These are all democratic principles that ensure uh, the effective functioning of, of, our, um, of our schools. And those things are not being addressed, but what is being redressed is the issue is that this is transformative. It is not. It undermines parental rights. It undermines the role of um, SGD. It centralizes power to an incapable state that is not fulfilling its obligations, and that um, 30 years after a democracy has le- is leaving us with an education system that are um, which with the outcomes that are um, um, not serving the economy of our country, and that is putting regulations in place on homeschooling. Um, that is one of the best quality. Of, um, or learning um, um, uh, decisions that parents can make that comes with huge sacrifice. Um, so, yes, the ACDP absolutely um, has a problem with what is being presented. And also, lastly, the Bella Bill is outdated. 
it has not um, uh, the the bill it, it's lacking in the research in terms of homeschooling. It is lacking in the research in terms of ECD, and those things are very important for us to address. This is why parliamentary legal services must address the committee and the um, National Treasury must um, address the committee on the issues of the constitutionality of the bill and secondly, the funding of the bill, where the money is, where is the money going to come from to fund it. Yeah. Uh, just a last thing to explore here is what now? Given that you've launched a, 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 a PACS, uh, registered a, a, a complaint with the chair of chairs and walked out of the debate, um, at what point will the Democratic Alliance re, uh, re-engage uh, the portfolio committee and this process? What needs to happen? Look, we've made, um, we've made our request to the chair via letter and the chair of chairs, which, which the chair of chairs are very responsive. I, didn't, I don't think even it's been more than 30 minutes uh, addressing the chair to to be able to uh, make sure that we deal with the process correctly, we've made the request to the chairperson in writing as required um, by parliamentary rules, and uh, she obviously needs to adhere to that. That before the process that com- concludes on the clause by clause, national treasury must come and present to us on the regulatory implications of the bill in terms of finances. Parliamentary legal services must give their report uh, on any constitutional uh, implications. And obviously, we need clarity in terms of the discrepancies of numbers on the report. And failure to do so will obviously challenge the process. Um, there's nothing else we can do besides do that. Um, and following due process is what is important uh, at the end of the day. But if those things are all adhered to, uh, by the time we conclude clause by clause, uh, there wouldn't be any need for us to um, uh, maybe take the matter further up. But I do think that if it's, those things are not addressed, we will explore all avenues in Parliament and externally if need be uh, to make sure that the process is, uh, we get the process right or um, we obviously object to the process uh, based on the discrepancies that do exist. But obviously we will participate in the process uh, tomorrow in terms of clause by clause and, uh, and, for, and for the rest of the week until we conclude on the request that we have also made to the, to the committee chair. Yeah. Mari, in your case? The same here for the ACDP. Um, we take very serious what we have been tasked to do by the millions of South Africans who have cast their votes and who is paying their, their, their taxes to ensure that Parliament does what it, uh, what it is mandated to do by the Constitution. And uh, so in terms of that is to ensure that proper oversight and accountability is demanded from the department in terms of what they have presented. And for us to not sit there as a committee and fail in our duty to debate, to deliberate, to interrogate, and to ensure that what the department has presented, that it holds master in terms of the Constitution. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for that. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Bex Notata, as well as Mari Sikers of the ACDP and the Democratic Alliance. You are listening to Oliver Dixon on the Station of the Year.